This is Company. I'm Sky Manson. Company is a podcast produced in rural Australia, bringing together ambitious women from the bush, the cities, and all over the world. Today's guests, Denise McClellan Yates from my old home, Grenfell, in central west New South Wales, rings true to precisely the sort of women I want to tap into here ambitious women living in rural Australia. Denise has never let the fact that she lives in a small yet strong community hold her back. She has worked so many careers and after this chat I feel even more like anything that she turns her hand to she becomes a master at it. All throughout her life she's always been the best at whatever career project or business venture she sets her mind to as you will hear. We talk about her life journey, which has taken her across many continents and many states in Australia, but has now landed her back with her own family at her roots in Grenfell, and she has just taken on a new venture into something called integrative nutrition, which is a relatively new term in health and in Australia. So we're going to learn lots about looking after ourselves and how we can take on a new healthy approach to life in general. Denise was a wonderful friend of mine from Grenfell and really took me under her wing when I first arrived there uh, until the day that we left. So here's her story. I hope you really enjoy it. My name's Denise McClellan Yates. I'm living the dream in Grenfell, New South Wales, and I'm an integrative nutrition health coach. I can't wait to talk to you about that more and more in this podcast, but I want to just start from the very beginning. Tell me about your days growing up as a child in Grenfell. Uh, It was a really quite a sleepy town and we're a very close-knit community, which it still is today. Uh, My parents both had businesses that I worked in and I attended both schools here. Uh, I tried my hardest at all sports, but uh, I'm a bit unco. Uh, I was best at hockey and swimming, but I loved the freedom, the freedom that growing up in a small town as a child can give you. What was that? Yeah, I loved, um, well, in summer, we'd just go from school, we'd walk down to the pool. Mum and Dad didn't know where we were most of the time, but they had, a, they had an inkling I was at the pool. In winter, we'd finish school and we'd walk down and get hot chips at the local cafe. Very bad for you. Uh, but uh, You have to say that now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just this immense sense of... Everyone would look after you. If you needed a lift home, you could get a lift home or you'd just walk or ride your bike. It was fabulous. So growing up then as a child, did you dream of becoming anything? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I had three things that I wanted to become. So one was a naturopath, one was a psychiatrist and the other was an actor, which pretty much sums my personality right up. I I love that and at such a young age like why did you want to become something like a psychiatrist? Uh, I have always been interested in 
what makes people tick? Why do they do what they do? Um, I used to love going to Sydney and sitting on the steps at Town Hall and just watching people and going, why are they doing that and why are they feeling that or what have you? So I guess it was this intense curiosity. Um, yeah. And I wanted a black leather lounge that people could lie on and <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> are you halfway there now? Yeah. I've got a velvet black lounge. <laughs> so acting as well, that you obviously, what, what was that all about? Uh, I think it's about becoming another person and being who you want to be. Uh, I was always involved in dramatic society uh, with school and, and outside within community theatre. When I was in Brisbane, uh, for 15 years I did a couple of acting schools as well just for fun and I just found it another way to express myself I uh, really wasn't that serious about becoming a uh, professional actor <laughs> and I'm interested to know what did your how do your parents describe you as a child different <laughs> In what sense? What do you mean? Uh, I suppose you've always got to have a black sheep uh, and that was me for sure. But I owned it 120%. Uh, Mum would buy me all these beautiful dresses and I would team them with 16-hole Doc Martens and, you know, a black crocheted cardigan, much to her disgust. (laughs) And how? So how many are there in your family? How many siblings do you have? There's five of us. So I'm Jan Brady. I'm smack bang in the middle. <laughs> okay, so how did it evolve when you left school? What did you go on to do? Okay. Uh, I left as soon as I was 18 pretty much and did my HSC. I took off to Sydney. I kept coming home on the weekends though because it's really not that far. It's five hours. My mum had uh, a hotel here. She's pretty much always been a publican until she decided to work in supermarkets. <laughs> I'd come home and work in the pub, then I'd go back to Sydney and I just, I didn't have a community in Sydney, so I felt quite alone. Uh, so I decided to come back. The thought of me um, having a little relationship in Grenfell as well that was blossoming was a bit of a draw card. Uh, so I came back and then eventually I went to Canberra. Uh, where I worked at Parliament House. I was studying remedial therapies, uh, so I was um, pushing towards that dream of working in natural therapies and holistic wellness. What did you do at Parliament House? Uh, I worked in members and guests restaurant. I was the maitre d'. So uh, we have many stories to tell if I was allowed to tell you them. (laughs) Especially now. Oh, absolutely. There's quite a strong um, male dominating culture oh it was fine it was uh it was the plum job to get in hospitality in Canberra because we worked two weeks on and two weeks off and we never worked weekends uh except if there was a function on and we'd put our name down to work in one of the great halls uh it was it was great I uh loved being in charge um uh loved meeting people's needs and exceeding them um we were never busy (laughs) and there was a lot of staff yeah and so becoming a maitre d like what were your qualifications for that or did you just do the interview and they liked they thought you would suit the role yeah yeah I um 
I guess I had a lot of experience working for mum in the pub. Uh, I've been working for her since I was 15. Um, so I was really quite good on the beverage side, I suppose. Uh, and um, I did a course at um, CIT in Canberra uh, where uh, it was a food and beverage um, diploma and all of the industry heads came around um, and we'd show off our skills and they would pick who they wanted uh, and I got picked for Parliament House. Amazing. So I know Denise very well. We work together in Grenfell and she's my first friend here and there's many things that I'm learning. So it's so exciting. So I love doing this job. What happened with your yeah, your natural therapies and remedial therapies? Where did you go with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started a little clinic in Grenfell where I worked doing remedial therapies Unfortunately, I had a bit of a traumatic car accident uh, occur and um, after a lot of rehabilitation, I decided that I needed to leave. Uh, So I moved to Brisbane and uh, there I stayed for about 15 years. Can you tell me more about the car crash? What happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just one night, um, it was wet. Uh, I was driving home with a friend. Um, We lost control. Um, the rest is history. I broke my neck in three places. Um, so now I <laughs> walk around and bip when I go through airports. Uh, I've got three pins and a bit of my left hip holding me together. But uh, it was actually, Sky, the best thing that's ever happened to me. What was your rehab like in breaking your neck? So you could still walk? Yes, yes. Uh, So as soon uh, as uh, the operations were done, I had feeling again in my hands and my feet. At the time of the accident, I knew that something was wrong because I couldn't feel anything. I was in Royal North Shore Spinal for um, two to three months. Uh, It's a bit of a blur. On your back? Yes, on my back, yep. Can you remember any of it? And is this why you say it was the best thing that could have happened to you? Did it really make you rethink what you were doing? Oh, absolutely. I I really wanted to do something quite meaningful with my life. Uh, And I know that I could achieve that living in Grenfell, but I really needed to get out into the world. Uh, And I love experiencing different things. I love seeing how other people work. And I just was craving uh, that uh, different outlook on life. So uh, I decided to move to Brisbane. I knew no one but my brother and, uh, and just fitted right into Brisbane life surprisingly (laughs) did you feel the pull um back to Grenfell like you know when you're in Sydney you could come back to Grenfell every weekend but I'm imagining that in Brisbane that wasn't really an option no it wasn't an option at all and I actually I really found my groove Uh, I found who I was it's so fascinating to move somewhere and uh know no one and you are completely defined by who you are as a person, not who your family are or where you've grown up or what you've done. It was just all on me. And I found the most wonderful group of friends. Uh, I worked really hard. I found my husband also. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we just had a, a wonderful life there. 
So when I first met you, you were a photographer. When did photography come into the picture? I sound like I've had four million jobs. (laughs) Who hasn't these days? (laughs) Uh, I when I lived when I lived in Brisbane, I was working in day spas. Um, so that that was a really big goal for me to work in a really high energy team of healing and wellness. Um, that was the whole complete experience. So I worked at the Marriott, um, the Dome Retreat, and it was fascinating. Uh, I worked as a remedial therapist, but only part time because of my back, uh, and I started moving into management. Uh, we would look after rock stars, you know, we would look after all sorts of celebrities. It was wonderful. Uh, and I always had this very creative streak in me. Uh, so um, I always had a great camera, um, did that just for pleasure. You know, didn't really know what I was doing. I was shooting on auto. <laughs> and um, eventually Michael, uh, my husband and I moved to Ireland Uh, for his work and uh, I was reasonably high up in day spa world uh, and I stumbled across a new build there and I ended up becoming the general manager of this 24 room complete thermal suite 45 staff and gym day spa (laughs) so (laughs) by the end of our time in Ireland I was so burnt out I was I'd probably dropped 15 kilos I was drinking quite a considerable amount of Guinness uh, and I just needed to reset my body a bit more. Uh, when we came home back to Brisbane, uh, he said, look, look at all of these films you've got here in this box undeveloped. I think I had something like 54 films, rolls of film. Uh, and he said, I really think you should do something with this. So I came home uh, and I started studying at Brisbane College of Photography and Art at night. So I did three years, uh, three nights a week uh, and got a diploma in fine art photography, all darkroom based. So it was really a beautiful process. Yeah. And was but it wasn't always a so when did it become a, a serious pursuit? Like when did you move from it just being a or was it always a a, a side hustle to begin with? Uh, no, I'm an all or nothing girl. <laughs> if I'm going to do something, I'll go hell for leather with it. Uh, I uh, we were trying to have a baby. And I figured that I needed something, a a career where I could be a bit more flexible, but also to uh, nurture that creativity that was just burning and filling over the, spilling over the cup. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Tell me, what's that like? Like, how did you, (laughs) how did you know? You get itchy, (laughs) you get itchy, Uh, irritated. Uh, I had reached a pretty good pinnacle with my spa career Um, and I had worked with the best of the best uh, and I just couldn't see um, unless I opened my own spa which would take about five million (laughs) dollars which I didn't have (laughs) Uh, I couldn't see how I could get to that point again that high Uh, so I decided to uh, renovate a very old um, shitty building in um Seven Hills, Norman Park in Brisbane, in inner city Brisbane. Uh, And I would open a studio because I was a photographer now. (laughs) Did you do that? 
I certainly did. <laughs> certainly did. Uh, so I graduated and I was eight months pregnant. Um, and uh, I started uh, the photography about uh, probably four months after I gave birth to Lila. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Lila in your a babe in arms and feeding and all of that jazz, no doubt, yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a crazy lady. Um, <laughs> but you obviously loved it. What did you love about it? Uh, I started off as uh, a wedding and then moved into commercial photography. So that gave me the opportunity to work on the weekends. Uh, Michael, thank my lucky stars every day, is a really hands-on father. Uh, so we didn't have to um, splurge on too much daycare in the beginning. And... Um, it, it was just, it pulled on every skill I had, not just the photography skills, uh, and the management skills and the organisational skills that I possess, uh, being a Virgo, <laughs> came in very handy. And also my people skills, uh, when you're in a wedding situation and uh, one brings to mind, I shot this Russian wedding uh, and there was 500 people. Like, it was just crazy. And, you know, it was 18 hours long. Uh, and um, you need to coordinate. They look to you to coordinate um, the day. And uh, it was just, it, that just pulled on every uh, inch of me. And I loved it. I thrived on it. Um, I'm so good under pressure. <laughs> so, but what about the 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 create the photography side of things and the images and what you see mm-hmm. was that was that what you loved too or was it more yeah. the other side of things the the management um, I I did I I have a really um, natural ability to see light um, always have like I'm looking at Sky now and I can see the beautiful window light on the side of her face and could just go snap. Uh, that to me, uh, being in weddings, um, I really saw the beauty and the romance of the day. Uh, there was a lot of um, sort of vintage style shots going on um, that were really in flavour at the time of, you know, putting soccer balls in front of your face and, um, you know, just standing like deadpan with each other. And I wasn't really into that. I had my own style, but it was just pure romance because I thought in 25 years when you look at your gorgeous album you want to see how much how in love you were with each other at the time so that's what I wanted to capture tell me more about what it's like being in a photographer's eyes I always wonder how you know when I you know even where I live I'm surrounded by what I think is beautiful and I think oh I wonder how a photographer, like a proper photographer, would see this. Uh, I just, again, it's the light uh, for me. Uh, I do, because I'm so curious, uh, I look at things from different angles a lot. Uh, I I spent much of my photography life on the ground. (laughs) Now I'm much older, it's not so good to get up and down like that. (laughs) Much older. You'd make you sound like an old woman. Which you're not. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, you, 
you see beauty. You see, uh, for me, like uh, one of my favourite places to shoot would be a really barren landscape. I uh, at dawn or at dusk. Uh, I love clouds as well. I love that moving um, over a really desolate landscape. But I'd I'd have to say I get the the thing that most excites me when I photograph is photographing at night. Uh, there's something really beautiful about the stillness and the blackness of a really cold winter's night. Uh, just the stars pop, uh, buildings look incredible, uh, and you really have to master your craft to get really good night photos as well. Having grown up in the country and living in Brisbane when you first ventured into photography, did you yearn for the open spaces to to photograph and also to be in? Absolutely. Uh, we lived in uh, our first place that we bought was a tiny, tiny little shoebox of a Queenslander. Uh, and I, I did at many times feel suffocated because – you know, I had five neighbours. Um, we lived in inner city. I couldn't really see the stars. Um, and uh, Brisbane, funnily enough, just doesn't have these incredible sunsets that we're used to out in country New South Wales. Uh, I, I don't know the scientific explanation of why that occurs, but when I'd come home, I'd just go, oh, look at that light. You know, you're so blessed being here. So what did bring you back home? When was that? Uh, we moved back to Grenfell in 2011, very early 2011. There was a couple of reasons. Uh, we both yearned for space uh, and our daughter was just about to start school and we thought if we're going to do this, we're going to do it now so she can start uh, back in Grenfell. It was actually Michael's suggestion, uh, which I nearly fell on the floor with, um, when he said, let's move back to Grenfell. And I went, huh? Are you okay? And um, Where's Michael from? Michael is from just outside of Brisbane. So, But he went to uni in Brisbane, worked in Brisbane, uh, and he's travelled quite extensively around the world with his job. So, yeah. But did he want to move back here because... He loved it. Like, had you spend a lot of time here in between? Yeah, we'd always come home for a festival or, you know, weddings or any any old excuse, really. Uh, my family lives here, most of them. Um, and uh, it's a real pub culture here as well. So when we would come home, we would all go to the pub and catch up. And he just loved this community. He was so in love with it. Anyone would just talk to him. Uh, and he's such an easygoing guy that he just fit right in. Um, so I think to, you know, having that space, um, you know, and being a part of the community, uh, which we really are, uh, was just such a big draw card. And for Lila to have that sense of freedom, that was fantastic. And the sense of community too, you know, like people looking after her. and Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, 
And more so for Michael and Lila than me because I'm a local. Uh, they were so embraced uh, within the community. I think we got a bit socially excited when we moved here uh, and we ended up being on 11 committees <laughs> between us, which is just crazy. But we really felt uh, a sense of pride, which we still do to this day, of, you know, we're helping build uh, our our fabric here as well. We're playing our part. But what about the career side of things? Like, I'm assuming there weren't the same opportunities. Ah, but that's not true. <laughs> so I was actually petrified. Uh, it took a lot of planning because I was so heavily booked um, to move out here. So it took a year of, of me saying no to work um, so I could free up my books and move. Uh, Michael is a software engineer, so he could really work anywhere and his company was quite understanding. Um, and for me, I thought, my God, what am I going to do? You know, who's going to hire me? Um, you know, I'd, I'd really created a good name for myself in Brisbane uh, and I had to start again, basically. Uh, but I met uh, a beautiful woman uh, called Jackie Grigg who uh, started Style Magazine in the Central West. Uh, and she really took me under her wing and um, uh, she loved my style uh, photography. So I started shooting lifestyle and commercial work for her and then boom. <laughs> so uh, I, after probably 400 weddings, um, I decided to hang up uh, my wedding photography shoes and I moved full into commercial. Um, so I found, you know, just so many opportunities. Parkshire Council, I'm forever grateful for. Uh, they were so good to me. And then that work flowed. Uh, so people would see my work and then go, oh, well, I'd, I'd like her. I'd like what she did. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> what, what actually ended up happening was that you started your own space in Grenfell. Tell me about that. Uh, so we, uh, as soon as we moved, uh, like I said, I'm a bit of a bull in a china shop. Uh, I had to find the right space because I had this incredible boutique studio in Brisbane and I wanted to replicate that. Uh, so luckily enough, uh, I found the perfect space, uh, which was double the size uh, and the bargain basement price of $55,000. <laughs> Just crazy buying this beautiful heritage building. Uh, so I renovated it to, uh, you know, sympathetically to its bones. Uh, and we started uh, our studio in country New South Wales. What gave you the confidence to do that? I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> I, I love taking a risk. Uh, and uh, even though I do doubt myself quite a bit, uh, I, I just go, right, well, if I don't try it, I'll, I'll never know. I remember coming to Grenfell for what would have been the first time, and while we were trying to find a farm to buy, we were looking everywhere and driving down the main street, and this studio completely stuck out because of its sense of, like it was so stylish and it was really well beautifully graphically and branded and it it was um something unlike anything else on on the main street of Grenfell so 
I love that too that you didn't feel that you needed to fit in with the um, aesthetic that was that was here. I I well I picked up my brand and and transferred it down here. I'm really big on branding. Uh, I think it uh, reflects your style, uh, and it's so professional to have a great brand. Uh, and it makes you recognisable um, throughout. So when we have the, the tyranny of distance out in rural Australia, you need to be recognisable. But I guess it's my my sense of design and also to I am a sucker for a renovation. I think um, when we finish our house, it'll be renovation number six or seven. <laughs> but you're not a photographer now. Things have moved on again. What what sort of inspired this change? Uh, so I guess um, it was my own health uh, that really inspired my change uh, into the nutrition coaching. Uh, also too, I'd spent a good part of 16, 17 years as a photographer uh, and I really didn't want to be rolling around on the ground anymore Uh also too drought was hitting us hard Um, my work had dried up quite considerably uh, and I totally understand people didn't have the budget um, people were taking their communications um, in-house and uh, I could see the writing on the wall Uh, so I too was not in the best space I could possibly be and I really wanted to focus on me Uh, I'd worked very hard very very hard uh and i just knew i would go back to some form of wellness i just didn't know what kind so i looked around and um, i decided i would start studying integrative nutrition and my best uh, case study was myself Just breaking in here to say a huge thank you to Lydna Quality Socks for coming on board as this season's podcast sponsor. If you haven't worn Lydna Quality Socks yet, do your feet a favour and try them this winter or right now while this cold snap is on. I have been wearing them for days. Your toasty warm feet will thank you forever. Lidna Quality Socks are expertly crafted in Crookwall in New South Wales by 10th generation sock maker Andrew Lidna and they're individually finished so that you can be assured that every sock is a real investment in quality. To shop the range, visit lidnasocks.com.au. Tell me about what integrative nutrition is. Integrative nutrition is a relatively new concept in Australia. Uh, it's been around for a while in Europe and the US. Uh, I studied in the US from a US college. Um, it aligns pretty well with functional medicine um, and it looks at what's on your plate, uh, what and how you're eating, uh, but Uh, It integrates in your relationships, your career, uh, self-care, spirituality, family, uh, all of that that makes up your whole self. Um, So to put it in a nutshell, even if you ate all of the kale in the world, if you're not happy, you're not going to be healthy. 
So it so it addresses it's just looking at your whole life rather than if someone comes to you and says I've got a sore back, you look for the solution in every element of their life. Absolutely. So instead of uh, mowing the weeds, uh, I would go for the roots and pull them out. Uh, and generally, it's it's not just one thing. Um, most people would come to see me and say, you know, I've got chronic inflammation or I've got uh, arthritis or I want to lose weight uh, or a, a few men uh, have seen me and they've got gout. Uh, but it's we do certainly address the food that you're, you're putting inside of your body uh, and work out whether that's right for you or not. But it is, we look at the whole self, what's going on in your life, uh, what's causing you to eat a certain way. Uh, for example, like emotional eating, um, a lot of time that's associated with being overweight. But generally there's a deeper root to why you're doing these things. And slowly, slowly we start unraveling those and work on simple strategies uh, that you can put in place um, to make good lifestyle shifts. Is there a lot of this happening in Australia or is it a relatively new frontier? There, there's certainly a rise uh, in people looking for, um, you know, when you go to the doctor uh, and, and you know, oh, I've, got a, I've got a sore hip or, or what have you, uh, you know, you'll be referred off to get an x-ray or an ultrasound and then, you know, if nothing comes back, you might get some anti-inflammatories. It's sort of, uh, my job is not to diagnose, absolutely not, uh, but I can support the local doctor uh, if you know he came to me and said well I've got this patient um, I don't have the time which they don't um, and uh, I know that something's going on um, they could look at a few different areas in their life and that's where someone like me comes in uh, I'm looking at everything that's going on so it's more about yeah addressing and like working out what the problem is and then perhaps directing elsewhere yes absolutely absolutely uh, there are many times when things are way outside of my scope of practice so uh, I have a really good network that I can refer to uh, also so but but for general lifestyle uh, disease not so much disease but dis-ease um, and uh, illnesses um you know, I'm not treating cancer or anything like that. Uh, but for general things where you're not feeling great, you're not feeling clear, um, you want to lose some weight, um, you do have that inflammation in your body, then that's the sort of thing that I can really address quite well uh, with you one-on-one. -on -one. When you started studying this again, did you always know that the outcome would be a business of this sort? Of course. <laughs> Silly question. Uh, I, I do love <laughs> running a business. <laughs> it really floats my boat. So, uh, and again, I get to pull on all of these skills that I've learnt um, throughout the years. Uh, it's, it's just then I can control what I'm offering. Um, and um, I certainly work in partnership with, with other people around me, but uh, I've got full control over how I do things. And 
again, what gave you the confidence to open up such a business in a small rural community that isn't necessarily, I mean, I don't know, based on, I'm just assuming um, that this kind of health approach isn't forefront in their minds. (laughs) I think everyone's concerned about their health. Uh, I think a lot of people put it in the too hard basket. Um, It's the business has certainly been met with curiosity and intrigue. uh, And I, I love that. Uh, But the more that I get in front of people and the more that I speak or do a workshop, people really understand what I can do to help them. Uh, And two, it's like photography and moving back to a small town. You need to realise the potential around you also. We have uh, such a a good... um, should we call it a bush telegraph? <laughs> when someone finds something, they spread that word. Uh, and and we do, even the towns around us, we all have a bit of, bit of a close-knit community. There's always connection. Uh, so it's not hard to, uh, to pull off a business of any description without uh, loads and loads of people around you. It's more quality um, than quantity. I love that. That's so it. And I sort of asked that question um, wondering as well whether the because of lockdown and we've all moved remotely that you, you don't have any barriers anymore and the distance is. But do you operate on online and outside of local people? Absolutely. I see a lot of clients uh, see them via Zoom. Uh, and uh, clients that I've never met, um, but we still have this great connection and bond through what we're working on. Uh, so no, distance is just not uh, in our way anymore. If anything that COVID has taught us, uh, we can be anywhere and we can do anything. So is that a, oh, it's so interesting. How do they know about what you do? Uh, well, I'm not a uh, crash hot on the social media, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying. <laughs> if there's anyone out there that <laughs> would like to help me. Um, I, it's generally been through word of mouth. Uh, I've also done a couple of guest speaking spots uh, for other uh, sort of health businesses, uh, and that's really helped uh, raise my profile of what I'm doing because, it, again, it's this curiosity. What does she do uh, and how could she help me? And I think that's the key. Uh, for me, I was getting to the end of photography and I really felt that I really wasn't absolutely helping someone and I knew what I could do from my previous experience of really digging in and helping someone. Uh, And that's just the greatest gift that I can give. I'm sure you would say, and I'm sure it is true, that any person could do with your services. (laughs) Oh, you know, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready to look at what's going on in your life and be prepared to make a change. Uh, a lot of people will come to me because they've just they're just in so much pain uh, or or their you know gut health is out of control or they've got IBS or you know it's it they hit a point where they go no, enough's enough and that's where I come into play so at the beginning of the interview when you were talking about 
your car crash and you said that was the best possible thing that could have happened to me. Is this the full circle? Absolutely, Sky. Absolutely. And I, I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about it and think about how lucky I am and how blessed I am to have bad experiences uh, but take that trauma and do something really worthwhile with it and that's being able to relate to people as well you know I've not been a, an angel growing up or uh, I've been very unkind to my body <laughs> over the years <laughs> I still like a beer <laughs> but I think that that makes my approach um, so much more real uh, because I do look at people and go, well, you have to live. You still have to live. Uh, even though we're going to make some changes, you still have to enjoy your life because, again, it's this happiness thing. I'm sure they teach you about that too, like that non-patronising approach where you're looking down on someone and mm. making them feel like they've got a lot of work to do. Oh, look, I've, I, absolutely we were taught that, but... I look on Instagram um, a little bit and uh, I follow a lot of uh, health bloggers and, um, uh, you know, um, vegans and, and that sort of thing. And I, I find I'm, I feel, you know, patronised by them. I'm like, oh, I, I haven't had enough goji berries today. <laughs> <laughs> and and for me, you know, I've gone down that path. I've followed that really strict regime because I love to experiment on myself. But it's not it's not real. It's not uh, achievable in the long term. We want to make things stick, and we want. Uh, I want for someone to walk out of of my place or of their time with me. Uh, with long-lasting change and they know what to do. If they fall off the wagon, they know what to do to get back on. What are your big dreams for Laurie and Well? Am I allowed to ask? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To start a conversation about real health Uh, and I really think that uh, as women in particular, uh, we're not talking enough about our hormone health uh, it's something that's still a little uh, kept behind the curtains, if you like. And I'm finding, uh, you know, two years into practicing now, uh, that it's such a massive part of of what's going on with with our female psyche as well. And when we're, I'm finding a lot of shame uh, around uh, people's feelings towards intimacy. Um, uh, towards sex, um, but also, you know, their their own what's going on with the hormones, <laughs> and we just we need to talk about that more. I don't know how this is going to evolve, but I'm I'm ready to start a conversation. We don't even know about our hormones. It blows my mind. I to- I totally agree with you. Oh, absolutely, and that's been uh, bred in not bred into us. That's the wrong word. Uh, uh, banged into us if you like from an early age I thought about um, after a conversation with some friends the other day and I asked my daughter as well who's 15 I said what what were you told during sex education at school what what happened she said well you know the boys the boys got told that they got erections and then they then they um, you know got to ejaculate and they talked about masturbation uh, and wet dreams, mum. 
And I went, oh, okay. And I said, what about you? What did they say about the girls? She said, we get our period. And I was just like, well, there you go. There it starts. Totally. (laughs) They get all the fun and we get our period. (laughs) And, and, you know, you think about the words that are associated with with our period, you know, the curse, um, rags, uh, you know, it's just, it's horrible. PMS, just is such a bad um, rap. Yeah, perimenopause, menopause. It's like, well, well you know, uh, but I've, I find that we're, we're just not talking about it enough. Uh, and I really think that the more we open this dialogue, uh, the better we are all going to start feeling about ourselves. And we, we will have these little aha moments. Oh, she feels that way too. Oh, that's good. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> so why? how have you discovered this and why does it excite you so much? Uh, I took uh, – I'm, I'm going to be a forever student now, uh, so I'm still studying. Uh, but la- <laughs> last year I did an intensive six-month course on hormone health and this really opened my eyes. Uh, I am a sufferer uh, of endometriosis uh, and I really found uh, for myself it was such a struggle to A, get a diagnosis um, and B, find effective, uh, safe treatment, uh, C, fall pregnant <laughs> uh, and then deal with the, the ongoing uh, pain and um, issues afterwards because there's a great myth that as soon as you get pregnant you won't have any more endo which is such a shitty lie <laughs> hmm. and so obviously you it excites you because you see what i see the potential for us to be talking uh, a hell of a lot more uh, about what we're going through as women uh, but also for our men as well. Uh, we can't leave them out. Um, you know, they must look at us and bewildered. <laughs> what's going on with her at the moment? <laughs> because we don't know what's going yeah, on. It's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> so being more open and honest, you know, just with your girlfriends over a glass of wine or uh, with your daughters or with your mum, uh, sisters, whatever you have, uh being more frank uh, about what's going on in your life is a huge step. Now, it wouldn't be an interview with me if I weren't to ask about daily routines because I'm obsessed. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have some pretty strong uh, rituals, I call them, uh, which I actually teach to people who, who are, are looking for that in their coaching. Uh, so I have a really good morning ritual, uh, generally, generally. Uh, a good day. <laughs> on a good day. I get up at 5.30. Uh, I start with a glass of warm water and lemon with salt. Um, and why the salt? Uh, the salt replaces uh, a lot of the minerals that I've lost overnight. I'm dehydrated generally, so that just helps that. And I like salt too, only a little bit. <laughs> uh, and um, then uh, I'll have some quiet time because no one is up. Um, I'll generally move my body. Uh, in some shape or form uh, I will expose myself to light it's a bit hard at the moment it's a bit dark in summer and um, uh, then I will um, generally do some sort of meditation 
very quick because my practice is not that good. Uh, and then I'll eat quite a nourishing breakfast. So what could you tell me a bit more about what your meditation practice could look like? <laughs> more focused. <laughs> more. In writing or sitting down and breathing or what? I'm big into the breath and um, so I'll take the time and I count my breath um, and I do I practice soft belly breathing um, so that's where your stomach goes out on your in-breath and then relaxes on your out-breath and I, you're doing it right now yes <laughs> and I count so I go in one two three four out one two three four and the counting keeps my brain focused because my mind wanders all over the place so if it wanders and that's okay uh, I just bring it back to that counting and a good brekkie every morning do you look forward to that Every morning, every morning. Uh, I've dabbled in fasting um, because, like I've said, I like to experiment, but it's not for me. Uh, so a good brekkie is uh, spinach uh, out of my garden, um, good fresh eggs. Uh, maybe if I'm naughty, I have a bit of halloumi. Uh, <laughs> a good chutney. Uh, I don't have tomato sauce. Uh, salt, cracked pepper, uh, and I use a lot of uh, sprouts, which I grow, microgreens. Yeah. And is there any other rituals that you follow throughout the day? Uh, I always make sure that I have time for myself um, and I have a strong bedtime ritual as well. Uh, so from about 8.30 onwards, no tech, um, and I generally will start winding down I'll also start turning off all the lights in the house because it stuffs with your melatonin production uh, and I'll you know do a bit of reading I'm learning to play the guitar at the moment so I might do a bit of guitar practice uh, and nothing stimulating um, and then I'll so no tv Look, that's been my hardest give up oh, is, yeah. the, is the TV. Uh, and I do, I am naughty. If I can't sleep, um, I will uh, turn on the TV, uh, which is not good at all. And I know, I know, I know what, <laughs> what not to do. Um, but yeah, so I move uh, just slowly in the evening uh, that's when I might do some yoga or or what have you uh, and then I'll go for um, a tea always have a nice cup of tea before bed uh, and I'm in bed before 10 most nights what what are your strategies for when you're having trouble sleeping I bring in the meditation I do a full body scan which is fantastic it really brings my mind into Generally, it's worry. Um, I'm thinking about something or I'm thinking about a client. Or <laughs> uh, so I bring myself back to myself uh, through breathing, um, the body scan. I'll have another cup of tea if I need to. Uh, and I'll read. Uh, reading makes me go to sleep at night. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. So good. And what's your favourite thing to do to sort of reward yourself and relax? Have a beer. Have a beer. <laughs> that's terrible coming for a health coach. No, well, that's it. <laughs> it's all about balance. Yeah. Um, I do, I, 
I do like getting out into the garden. I like uh, I'm I'm a, a novice veggie gardener, uh, and we have a little tiny orchard also. Uh, I love being with friends. I love shopping. Uh, like fashion, I like looking at fashion. Haven't even spoken to you about that. <laughs> Such a stylish woman. Sky thinks I'm a snazzy dresser. She's the best dressed woman in Grenfell for sure and could be taken straight off the streets of Melbourne. It's a very eclectic style, I have to say. But, yeah, I love I love being with family and um, that's a nice, a nice reward. I love engaging with my husband at the end of the day. Um, just talking about what we've been up to and uh, I love planning. I think you can tell I'm a bit of a planner. Dreaming. (laughs) Dreaming, definitely. Definitely. So two questions before I let you go. Um, What books – I'm so interested in your answer to these questions because I know they'll be good. What what books are you loving and podcasts too? (laughs) I am reading at the moment because I'm still studying so I do like to read a good health related book um so i'm reading at the moment um the 12 rules for life by jordan b peterson now he is a bit of a controversial psychologist uh and uh he's just out there uh it's not a self-help book at all uh it's a bit of a quirky look at life and how you're leading it uh i also am reading uh, the invisible load Uh, by Dr Libby Weaver who's an outstanding Australian uh, academic uh, and she's talking about perceived stress and stress within our female psyche which is great yeah and podcasts I am a bit of a a bit of a fan of a guy called Rich Roll Uh, so he's an American uh, ultra marathon endurance athlete now I am not an athlete (laughs) at all but he interviews the best and brightest minds in the world of health Uh, he covers uh, everything from farming to gut health spirituality and then of course athletics I tend to skip the athletic bit (laughs) and trawl through the health related stuff so but also too he's big on um living mindfully and living close to nature Uh, and that's something that we are so blessed to be able to do out here. I always love chatting to you and especially now for um, that you've agreed to be a guest on my own podcast so so thanks Denise. Oh thank you Sky I'm I'm flattered. I definitely need more of Denise in my life, someone to just be my health guardian angel. Perhaps we all do. I caught up with Denise again the other day and she did continue on with this topic that she touched on in this interview and she said, Sky, I really want to do a podcast with you about sex and women's health and empowerment. Do you think your audience will be okay with it? Uh, Yes, I said. I might not be okay with it, but let's do it. So this is a podcast episode that you'll need to look out for in the future. You can find Denise at Lorien, L-O-R-I-E-N, well.com, and by the same name, Lorien Well, on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you, as always, to our series sponsor, Lidna Quality Socks. <laughs>